Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of Geologians. We're here today to put the her in tabernacle. <laughs> Tabernacle, you guys. Oh. Tabernacle. My name's Summer, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Joy. And Joy, I just want you to know that whatever happens, even on your worst of days, I will always enjoy being in your presence. Oh, wow. It's actually a huge compliment. Huge compliment. You know. Unless you mean presence. <laughs> You do you're give like, really good presents, though. Like, like presents. I will always just swim in a sea of presents you give me. <laughs> you're good at you're good at presents. Some people have that gift, and some people don't. You know. I think like, what you meant was present presents, though. Yes. I okay. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, same. That's not my compliment. Though. Okay. But you are right. <laughs> I am Joy, and I'm here with my beautiful co-host, Summer. And this sounds a little vague, but hmm. I really mean it. Vague booking. Um, someday I would really like to nominate you for an award. <laughs> okay. Um, but what would it be? So you- that's why, it, that's why it's a little bit vague. Okay. But like there, there are so many awards out there. I think, um, this one has a curse word in it, oh. but there's one that's like weird, a picture book awards i think i'd like to award you for that one it's the the weirdest stories Uh uh-huh cover and illustrations on a book do you think i i would i have that i don't get it i hope one day that you that i do write a weird oh with a weird picture oh i think i could do that i think i've done it in my head a million times oh yeah should i write a book we should have a (laughs) We should, you should write a book. Okay. We should collaborate on a picture book. Okay. For kids. I like it. That's a adults. good idea. That's a really good idea. I mean, I always have kids drawing pictures for me. Um, if you think we should do that, send a voicemail <laughs> and just say yes. And then hang up really loudly and We're just triumphantly. <laughs> We're just going to end up with tons of yelling yes voicemails. <laughs> and we're going to have to do everything because we're not going to know which thing. <laughs> but we'll feel very affirmed. So it's fine. You know, what one of the hardest things about having kids is, hmm. is that they're always like drawing pictures for you. Okay. Yes. Um. Just, I mean, it never ends. Mm-hmm. And you just have so many pieces of paper with like lines on it that right. just mean so much to them. Yeah. And so what breaks my heart, this breaks my heart. And I need you to tell me what to do about it because you're better at this than I am. So Clementine, just when she's feeling really lovey towards me, which is every day, mm-hmm. she wants to plan a party for me. And she gets very into it. And she starts asking me all kinds of questions like, can I do this? Can I do this? And so the other day, she's badgering me. She's like, I'm going to make you a pinata like right now. Like for it's for your special party. I, and I know pinatas make you so happy. And I don't know why she thinks that because 
I don't even know if she's ever seen a pinata in real life. And she's like, so I'm going to make a pinata and I'm going to string it up over here. And she's got this whole plan. But she has, we have no, I don't, how do you, I don't have anything to make a pinata with. And so it gets to this point. You don't have any paper mache? No, or candy or how do you even make these things? I don't know. You buy them. That's what you do. You buy them. I'm pretty (laughs) sure. So... This is going on for half They're an hour. Born. They're just pinatas. They just happen. They just, they just happen. <laughs> um, pinata farm. Right. Obviously, you go and there's no pinata farms near me. So I'm like, it, half an hour of this. She's like asking me, like, I'm making you a pinata. Give me things to make you a pinata with. And I'm about to cry because she's badgering me. And I feel so bad. And finally, I just, I looked her in the eye and I told her the truth. I said, Clementine we cannot make a pinata right now. And her little face was so heartbroken and she kind of like moped over to the couch and like laid down on it and looked like I had just killed her cat that she doesn't have. And it was... Killed her pinata. It was horrifying. And I felt so horrible because her little heart just wanted to make a perfect party for me. Those were her words. And I didn't have the tools she needed to make the perfect party. And it was terrible. I'm not going to promise her to take her to the pinata farm and go buy a (laughs) brand new newborn pinata. But like. Oh, that would be so cute. (laughs) I'm sorry. There's really no limit to what I find cute. I know. But can you imagine a bunch of little pinatas like running around? I don't even know what to do, you know? And so I had this another horrible thing is I had this drawer full of, you know, the kids just like doodle pictures right. and hand them to me. And they're like, I did this for you. And it's like a hostage situation. You know, right. it's like you have to enjoy this thing. There's I made it. It's wondering, are they purposely <laughs> drawing right. things that are they're drawing one mark on a piece of paper? And then they're like, I love you. Let's mommy. see what you do with this. Right. Let's right. see how much you love me. Right. But I don't have enough magnets to put them on the fridge. Right. So I had like this drawer of just like papers with marks on them. Yeah. And so finally one day I decided I was going to clean it out. Mm-hmm. The the horror that ensued the first time one of the kids looked in the trash can and saw my not very well hid pile of their drawings. It was like the worst betrayal I have ever committed. I mean, betrayal of humanity, honestly. And I'm just like, I don't even know. It's like you guys are loving me so aggressively right now. And I right. need your love to be a little less aggressive. Right. Um, and I'm and less conditional. And less. I will love you on the condition that you keep <laughs> everything I ever make for you. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And I feel so bad because I love them, but I don't need a drawer of paper. What do you even do? It's like now I'm I'm hiding this thing. Right. Now I'm hiding things in my own house. What is happening? Well, so I knew someone that's very sweet and wise and a mother to a lot of children. And she said that what she used to do is she had this special box that she kept up away from the kids. And she made it very clear that like, this is my box. Like, you don't put anything in there. Uh-huh. You don't take anything out. Mm-hmm. I have a and, drawer like that. Well, and so what What she would do is she would put each and every one of those little drawings in that box. And then when it got full, she would discreetly throw it away. <laughs> of course, if there was something amazing, she would keep right. it. Right. You know. Sure. But so, but when she got the drawing, 
she made like a big deal out of it. Right. And was like, yes. oh my gosh, I need to go put this in the box. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think discreetly throwing it away is the big. Oh, the big they just love us so intensely and aggressively. And it's, I know. Um, in regards to paper mache, I mean, <laughs> you can make paper mache. At I your can't. House. No, I can't. You've seen my crafting skills. But it's kind of hard to like, you have to make like a form for your pinata. Yeah, not happening. So it is a lot of. Not happening. It's not happening. I can barely draw a stick figure. My craft skills are zero. Right. Less than zero. And my number skills are so bad. I'm not even sure what number less than zero is. So. Like, it's just, these aren't my things. Negative one. Negative, <laughs> neg- give me negative 100 on this one <laughs> on to TBH. It's just really bad. So anyway. I, mean, I think a lot of people who are listening right now can relate, can to, relate to that. All the pictures. Yeah. I have a few pictures that I have, I will always keep. Keep. Oh, yeah. I think I have one or two of those. Yeah. I mean, I have one taped on the dresser next to my bed, you know, because it was just so sweet. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I'm not throwing that away. I'm sure at some point I will, because who needs a taped piece of paper on their bed stand? Nightstand? What's it called? Bed stand? Nightstand. Bedside table. Nightstand. I don't even know. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Maybe consider getting a magical box. Yeah. Well, if any of you know where the nearest um, pinata farm is. Right. If any of you are pinata breeders. <laughs> let us know. Let us know. Our voicemail number is 470-465-0475. Oh, do you have that memorized now? I do. Good. I mean, I figured um, it was May time well. to not be the worst at my job and know what my voicemail number is. 470-465-0475. Did I practice it? Maybe. Anyway, (laughs) Um, right. And I want to let you guys know we've got new stuff going on on Patreon. So if you like our show, I please, every time you take a drink of water, consider partnering with us on Patreon. Um, Yeah, we do have to have you guys. You guys keep us going. You allow us to do this every week to create content, to do the stuff we're doing on Patreon, to release um, our episodes, to answer your questions, to have a voicemail number. Um, you guys make all that possible. So, yeah, you can um, you can help make that possible with, uh, you know, six bucks a month. So it's true. That's that. It's true. Yeah. We will still love you. Our love is not conditional. No. We will still love you if you do not give six bucks a month. But consider it if you want to keep hearing Sheologians. Yes. Okay. Joy. I really love that the topic today was like you're doing mm-hmm. because normally what happens is I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about this thing? <laughs> and then joy gives me like a, uh, which means mm, that's not a good idea or uh, yeah, we can do that. And then I like feel very validated and right. I'm like, let's do this thing. Like we can do this. Um, but then when Joy, like, has an idea prick her brain, she's, like, re- she seems really excited about it, which <laughs> Joy's excitement level, if we're not talking about animals, is, like, my tired level. Right. But I could tell that you were excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you wanted to answer this question. And so even though I had no idea why you wanted to ask this question, I was just like, well, yeah, let's do that. Whatever that is, let's just go and do that thing. Right. So... I've been dying to know, and I waited until this very second 
<laughs> okay. To ask you, why did you want to answer this question? Okay. Well, so this question was asked to me through the contact on Apologia Studios, which I manage. Please don't try to contact me through there. <laughs> There's so many better ways for you to contact me. I'm very, I'm relatively easy to find. Um, please don't write <laughs> any emails specifically to me through the contact. You can send them anywhere else. That's fine. Yep. Um, anyway, so I see some interesting questions. I see some intense questions, some more rudimentary questions. Um, so th this question I found so interesting just because of its implication, um, it allows you to explore the importance of reading the Bible and it's in context. Um, and then it also opens up this opens up this whole subject of who God is and his attributes. And I think it's mm -hmm. so interesting. So yeah. I think the question's super easy to answer. Okay. But it just goes an interesting place. Right. You really think about answering yeah. this question. So the question in essence is if God cannot be in the presence of sin, how can the Holy spirit be within us? And how did Jesus come to earth? And how is the father omnipresent? If he can't, if God can't be in the presence of sin. Right. Got it. Okay. So when I first read this question, I was like, well, <sighs> the first thing I have to say is why, what would lead you to believe that God cannot be in the presence of sin? Right. So it indicates to me, this is not, I don't, I would say this is maybe a more common teaching depending on where you're from. Yeah. I still don't know that it's all that common. I just thought it was really interesting. And as you guys will hear, right. it kind of it leads to it opens up conversations. some other yeah. conversations about God and his nature. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to start off by saying that in my research on this topic, the main verse that I came to was Habakkuk one thirteen, Right. Which says you who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Say that again. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. And the you is God? Yes. Okay. Got it. Comma. You. Right. <laughs> Comma. That's part of the verse. Okay. So here you go. Okay. That's the huge problem with this is that that is part of a verse. Right. It's like a comma. There's no period in sight. Okay. It's the It's one part of a statement. Okay. Which is. It's interesting to me and you know, I would like to think that because I'm a part of a solid group of believers in my church, I would love to think that this isn't being taught anywhere, but it is. Okay. So right. that's problematic. Like I said, don't know how common of a teaching it is, but the point is the thing that made it very interesting to me is that it doesn't just say you who are of pure eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. It also says, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? 
Okay, so in the first half of the verse, it's like, you can't look at evil. And then in the second half of the verse, it's like, why are you looking at evil? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So obviously distinctions need to be made. Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so I would say <clears throat> if you're trying to make a point or solidify any sort of theology, please don't just read part of. But don't never verse. read part of a verse and build I would, theology. I would say at the very least read the whole verse. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I would suggest reading verses around that verse. Yeah. If not the whole chapter, if Correct. not the whole book. <laughs> right. It's like it's like when people try to use John three sixteen to make a case for universal atonement. Right. Yeah. It's like you know John three sixteen is a verse that had preceding ideas and following ideas, and you can't build an entire theology off of this, off of an isolated verse. John right. three sixteen is a great verse that is true, but what is? It starts with the word for. Right. Well, that's a connecting, right? Connecting word. Yeah. What's it connecting to? Yeah. Don't worry. It's still meaningful right. in its context. Right. This is still a meaningful verse. Habakkuk one. 13 is right. still meaningful. Right. Um, you don't need to pick and choose mm -hmm. to, I don't know, like propagate some thought Weird you idea. have about God. Right. So, so yeah, my first interesting thought about this is that this, the idea that God cannot be in the presence of sin is purely based off of a verse Mm -hmm. Or verses. There are verses that say something to the effect, but it's not, but they're taken out of context. Right. Um, so Habakkuk has a, con a context. This verse, this yeah. part of a verse has more of a context than is being revealed. And the context does not indicate that God cannot be in the presence of sin. Uh, it's closer. It would be closer to say it, the writer is wondering how can God look Right. So much sin being right. that he is so pure right. and perfect. So the context, I know this one. Right. Um, so the context of this entire book is the end of the seventh century. And the uh, Habakkuk was, we say it differently. I know. Whatever. Habakkuk. I don't know. Which Habakkuk. Ones? Habakkuk. I've always said Habakkuk. But okay. whatever. Well, you're James White's daughter, so you're probably right. <laughs> well, you're Todd Friel's daughter. Um, <laughs> so I'm probably wrong. <laughs> so Habakkuk and Isaiah were contemporaries. I think I'm getting that right. You can just um, leave us a voicemail and yell no and hang up really fast. If, if we're not. If right. it, it was Jeremiah instead, but I'm pretty sure it was Isaiah. Um, so the Babylonian Empire, God was using the Babylonian empire to judge right. his, his people. Right. And so Habakkuk was super upset about that. Like he was really distressed by it. And he was wondering like, why would God use these awful, unrighteous, unclean individuals to chasten his own people? Right. And so this first, chapter that we're in is like a list of complaints like it's a list of he's complaining and he's he's essentially saying um and this is from rc sproul's commentary how can the holy and all-powerful god to whom sin is totally repug repugnant permit evil to go unchecked and unpunished right. and so 
the context is that Habakkuk is leveling these complaints and charges right. against God, which right. when I read it really terrifies me because, right. because um, I'm not saying that every prayer I've ever had hasn't, obviously we sin when we pray, mm-hmm. but like, these are some serious, this is a really real moment charges between, against God yeah. that mm-hmm. he's, that he's bringing up. And so, um, yeah, I just really liked what RC said in his commentary that he kind of rephrased the question, which, which is being laid out here, <clears throat> which is essentially you have this holy, all powerful God using these dirty, dirty sinners right. to chasten his own people. Right. Like, why are you doing right. that? Cause I wouldn't do that. It's right. Like, there's a comparison <laughs> happening, which we are so, we are, we so do it all the time. Yeah. Which is like, why here's my standard for justice right why is your standard different so different right um so that's the proper application of that text so another thing to consider when you read the bible is that like the next place where it leads me is that not just in context but you read it as though it is the revealed word of God. Right. Knowing that he cannot lie. Yep. So if, if, if you read something that appears to fly in the face of anything else in the scriptures. Right. Then you have a problem, right? Or at least a, a perceived problem. Yeah. Um, the point is, is that if God can't be in the presence of sin, then Jesus, the son cannot come to earth. Right. He cannot, he who knew no sin cannot take on sin. Right. Um, so th- those are p- some pretty serious implications. Right. The Holy spirit. Indwells us. Right. And we are still sinners. Right. So you're, you're dealing with a fragment. Right of a sentence in the Bible, you can't, yep. any, any apparent misconceptions that you may have, please do not throw out the propitiation <laughs> of Christ over <laughs> half a sentence. Right. Please don't do it. And so that was my thought process. And where it took me from there was essentially it's sort of mirroring the statements. Uh, typically when you see a statement about how God cannot look at wrong, he can't be in the presence of sin. That's not, that's not in there, but um, so anything that would appear that way, it's spoken by a human being mm-hmm. and it, it did my thoughts sort of mirrored the thoughts that are written in the Bible, which are that like how I'm not saying this very well, but um, like it is pretty amazing that God will look on our sin. Yeah. Yeah. I think that thought kind of goes along with the idea that um, God didn't, if you finish reading the book of Habakkuk, right. 
God didn't recommend it. Recommend just the it. sentence, remember? Right. Just. Right. Um, he doesn't explain his w- ways and his reasons fully to Habakkuk. Right. He simply reminds Habakkuk of his sovereignty instead. Um, and reminds him that, well, he's still holy even when he uses sinners to achieve right. his purposes. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Right. Um, and so we not we may not be able to understand that fully, but God doesn't, instead of trying to explain and reason, he just reminds Habakkuk of his sovereignty and doesn't really, God doesn't have to answer to us. Um, right. And that's really important <laughs> to know. Right. Um, it didn't make it in there by mistake. Right. And so I don't think that Habakkuk saying to God, like, you can't even, you're so pure that you can't even look at wrong is suggesting that God is unable to see sinful thoughts and right. see sinful sinners. Rather, it's suggesting that, I think Habakkuk is saying that God's purity and his holiness precludes the possibility of even tolerating right. evil. Right. So God doesn't tolerate evil. Right. So Habakkuk's question is like, for, for the God of the universe who doesn't tolerate evil, how can you use these sinners to for your purposes? Right. And I mean, the best answer to that question is always, well, for his glory. Right. Like we don't, I, I don't need to know anything more. We can right. know more. And if God wants to tell us more, that's fine. Right. But it's for his glory. Um, and he had a plan with the Babylonians and with right. Judah and with this judgment and all of these things. Right. Um, and we don't really have to have an answer to that. Right. Um, other than God obviously uses sinners. God obviously sees sin. He can't judge sin if he doesn't see sin. Right. And ultimately, so we're, we're so constrained by time and space that we see this as like, um, well, he's tolerating evil. Well, no, God would never tolerate evil and there's no evil that will go unpunished. Right. There's evil that has happened that hasn't been punished yet. And, you know, it's like, I think of in the Psalms when he talks about, you know, the writer of, I mean, different Psalms talk about like, well, it looks like the evil are flourishing. It looks like they're winning. It's look, it looks like they're, that's mostly the Psalms is where you'll see that, that concept. But then we're reminded like, no, don't envy the wicked because their judgment day is going to be awful. Right. (laughs) Um, And their evil is not going to be tolerated. So we think of, because we're so limited by time and space and we're so finite, we think of tolerating something as like, I have a rock in my shoe and I'm not doing anything about it right now. That means I'm tolerating it. Right. But that's because we're so finite. We're so yeah. small and we're so now, now, now. But all evil, no evil is going to go unpunished and we're promised that. Right. So, Well, and speaking of being in the presence of sin, God used sinners to confront the issue of sin right. in the death of his son. Right. Yep. Yep. God you, used you see, like if you if you were to like I said, I don't know how common it is, but if you were to hold on to the idea that God cannot look at sin, he can't be around it, mm-hmm. then you have to throw away Christ's death. Right. 
Right. And it's pretty crazy how how unnecessary it is for him to be glorified by all of us. Like he doesn't need to save us, any of us. Right. For him, for to glorify himself. Right. It doesn't need to happen. Right. And it's pretty amazing that he would confront sin Mm -hmm. when he doesn't. And you can't explain that. You can't understand that just, uh, just as much as you can't understand what it would be like to be everywhere. Right. At one time. Right. And that's not, we're not, and I don't think Habakkuk was either, attempting to downplay the holiness of God. Um, No. Because we could go into, and I'm not really going to go into this, but it's interesting to think about that. um, So if you look at the tabernacle in the Old Testament, it was was God's holy place that he designed in a specific way. So even though he's, he's God who cannot dwell in the midst of sin. He nonetheless dwells in the midst of a simple, a sinful people through the high priestly mediation, the shedding of blood. And so the tabernacle, the tabernacle was this place that was meant to be consecrated, sacred. It was consecrated to God. And then God, you know, he appears in a very heightened form of communion with his people. Um, But we see that God purified that realm and he signified this as like a majestic meeting place with his people, which is a grace if you think about it. Like he's condescending in this moment. Right. So although, but you know, although this was a special meeting place, we have to remember that the people were actually at a distance. They had to come before God through their, their priestly mediators. So that makes the tabernacle and the old Testament really, uh, it makes, it turns it into like this, there's this anticipation there of communion with God that is mediated by the priests. But because Christ is now our mediator, we don't have to wait with that anticipation. We still wait with anticipation, but it's not the same as the old Testament, um, people because there isn't Christ is our mediator now and he's ever living and making intercession for us. Um, so the tabernacle was glorious, but those things have passed away. And right. so we don't we don't experience God's presence now the way that they had to then with the shedding of the blood and the right. priests, because what we have with Christ is actually uh, greater. Right. Um, and we have the Holy Spirit with us. Um, so you can I'm not I'm not going to go into it anymore, but you get what I'm saying, like in terms of God's presence. Uh, we're not denying the holiness of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that very physical tabernacle was a sign of how holy he was. Right. Um, and that he was, he would dwell in the midst of a sinful people, but there had to be that shed blood there, that right. shed blood there. And there had to be that mediator. And um, Christ was the shed blood for us once and for all. Right. Um, and he is our continuing mediator and so yeah it's just a cool way to think of god's presence and to not kind of just get really bored with the old testament because it can be easy it's difficult to read you've really got to do your homework but it's like you the tabernacle was really a sign of things to come and it's really cool um and it is an instance of god being in the midst of sinners Mm -hmm. so you, if you're gonna, if you understand that verse wrongly, it's gonna negate everything that happened in the tabernacle, right. which yeah. God Himself set up. Right. So you can't do that. Yeah. See what I mean? Like it's it's like I said, don't know how common 
of a tradition yeah. this is. Yeah. But it really does, for some reason, this mm-hmm. question just made me think. Right. About things in a lot of different ways. Right. So oh, I, I think this we is should a good talk question. I like it. It made me do some um, tabernacle homework. Right. That's what I mean. Like, it made me look and sort of delve into what... Some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we play some voicemails? Sure. Welcome to the Sheologians voicemail hour. That will be 15 minutes. <laughs> so we asked you guys for some voicemails and you guys have delivered. And I really want you to hear this voicemail because it is adorable. It really is. <laughs> um, hi. I don't even know what to say. Um, I'm sitting here with my friend. We live in Turkey, and we listen to your podcast, and we just really enjoy you guys. And we have a couple of questions for you. Do you want to ask yours first? First, we are wondering, what are your thoughts on essential oils? (laughs) And second, what are your favorite podcasts? I know you mention them sometimes, but we'd love to hear more about more of your favorite podcasts. (laughs) Bye. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, we have listeners in Turkey. What? I know, right. I <laughs> that know. blew my mind. I know. Number two, these girls are giggling so much. There's only two options. One, they're totally trolling us. <laughs> like this is right. a this is a joke voicemail. They're this is a they're pranking us. They prank called us. Yeah. But um, the other option is they're actually just like us and laugh too much. And they're just having fun. <laughs> they're just having a blast, leaving yeah. a voicemail. Yep. Um, I don't know. Either way, this voice, even even if they were prank calling us, like, that's just adorable. Like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for prank calling us. I loved every second of Me it. Too. And we're going to answer your question. Yeah. <laughs> there's only, pe- like, there's certain people you can laugh like that with. Right. And it's rare and just, anyways. Let's answer that question. Okay. So essential oils and favorite podcast. Okay. Essential oils. So people want to go around and round and round on essential oils. And I honestly, number one, I just don't care. Um, I don't believe that essential oils cure cancer. Um, I, I own quite a few because I like to diffuse them. I like to put peppermint on things. Um, I don't have any kind of mystical healing view of essential oils. I just don't, I don't care if you like them. If you don't like them, that's great. If you're a little too intense about them, it'll probably annoy me. If you're not sinning and using them, I don't care. Enjoy. Enjoy your essential oils. I like essential oils. I There's a few that I think do actually work. I think if all I know is if I am like, if I have this thought, am I getting sick? And I take oregano, I don't get sick. Could it be a placebo? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm also pretty allergic to synthetic. Right. Smells. Right. So, um, they're a great way to have, like enjoy a smell. Sure. I, mean, I really don't like the crazy, crazy smells anyway. I prefer something more natural. So yeah. 
I don't put them on me for smells, but I'll diffuse them if I think they smell good. Or sure, sometimes they won't give. They're not. I'm not going to be allergic. They don't to give them. you a headache. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes I think my house smells like dog, so then I'll like do something with something. Right. So it doesn't smell like my dog. Right. They're great. I don't hate people that don't use them. Um, yeah. I think some of them work. I'm also a skeptic by nature. Sorry. Right. Yeah. I think people can be very intense with them, but I think that. That trend, as far as I can see, is dying down quite a bit. So yeah. great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Like, use them if you want. You're free to use them. You're not free to sin. Right. That's my... If you use them to bring income into your household, that's great. Whatever. Way just, to Proverbs just 31 that. Right. Just don't lie to people while you're doing it. <laughs> right. If you have to lie to sell them, you're sinning. Just that's, <laughs> that's all there is to it. So anyway. So then their other question was, what is your favorite podcasts? Um, okay. So I don't really like recommending things on Sheologians anymore. Yeah. Just because I have to, um, I get so many emails, <laughs> yeah. so many follow up, like questions, concerns, um, like how dare you do that or like that thing. Mm -hmm. And it's very intense. Right. And so I've definitely. It's really, it, it's different to have a lot of people say like express concerns over you liking a thing when you're in when you're in a body and you're under people that you submit to it's hard to answer tons of different emails of you just saying like well i think that's sinful right you know um <clears throat> it's just that's fine yeah i'm not saying don't send those things but we i think we have recommended less things yeah because... we do unrecommends now yeah <laughs> here's a list of things we don't recommend which also it seems like christians are better with like that to <laughs> email us about which is fine which is fine but it's a lot when you say oh i really like this thing and then and then you get a 12 page paper right. on why you're wrong right um so that's why i've kind of backed off from yeah. recommending things i don't think you know and another thing too is a lot of people will say, oh, so-and-so recommended this. And so that must mean I agree with everything that's ever been said. And I just don't, I don't agree with that right. very narrow kind of, you know, we've talked about it before. Like just cause you know, you, it's like one of my pet peeves is if you go on someone's Twitter page, like a more like a famous person mm -hmm. or someone who's in news or media and they actually put in their bio, like retweets are not endorsements. It really right. bothers me that that even has to be said right. because it's like just because you've retweeted someone, then people are going to automatically assume you're endorsing everything this person has ever right. said. It's so silly. It's so irrational. Christians have such a, tri a tribalism yeah. um, inherent in their system where it's like if someone disagrees with you on something, then that person is out. You know, and it's like, I can't handle that. I, it's so irrational and it's, it can be so intense sometimes. Right. Um, so I will tell you guys, because your voicemail is so adorable. When I first started podcasting, I didn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> Me either. Um, I did not listen to podcasts. Um, and so, I don't know, probably about a year ago, maybe even less than a year ago, honestly, I thought... I want to make my podcast better. I should listen to other podcasts and hear kind of what they do and 
what makes them a good podcast, what I what do I want in a podcast? And so I really just started by going to my podcast app. So whatever you listen to podcasts on. And I started searching for the top podcasts. And then I started searching for keywords, like stuff that I'm interested in. So I wanted to know, okay, the podcasts that get that have 10 times the audience we do, right. you know, like they make their entire income off of their podcast. They live very right. comfortably because they have 10 times the amount of downloads per week that we right. do. Right. Like, what are they doing? And so I just started listening to some of those. And then I searched keywords like I'm really into true crime. So I yeah. started and then, you know, all of a sudden there's all these true crime podcasts. Um, there's investigative podcasts that are really interesting. Um, and so that's just how I kind of found the podcasts that I enjoy listening to is what's on top of the charts. And you know what? Some of the stuff that's on top of the charts is horrible and yeah. I wouldn't recommend right. it. But that's how I kind of started getting a feel for what I do like was right. finding podcasts that I don't like. <laughs> right. um, and so if you're looking for, you know, just start searching for some of your interests. Yeah. Uh, read the web page, what it's about, and give it a go. If you, you know, it's like finding a TV show, really, that you want to watch right. or a book that you want to read. Like, yeah. you just have to look into it and get a feel for what you like and what you don't like. Right. Well, and just like with a TV show or a book, you may not, you may not agree with everything that's being said. You may not love everything that ever happens in the podcast, but you can still, like, we, we are free to say, I disagree with that. I'm not going to behave that way. Right. We're free to do that. Yeah. Um, so just because you listen to something and I'm, I'm maybe I'm making the podcast we listen to sound worse than they actually are. Right. Most, just as like sort of a weird qualifier, a lot of the podcasts that I like, they're not Christians. Yeah obviously yeah some of them are more liberal mm -hmm. um a part of there are some podcasts that i really like just because i know that the host has a completely different point of view right than i do yeah. sometimes that's why i like it yeah it's like a learning experience right. yeah so it doesn't there's a lot of tribalism in christianity and it's I think it's important that we don't live in an echo chamber because um, while the best evangelism tool and discipleship tool is to know your faith well, it's also really important that we um, we hear other voices. And I think sometimes we do need to, we live in the world and it's best not to pretend like we don't. Right. Um, and so I think some of the best non-christians make some of the best entertainment um yep some of the true crime podcasts i listen to are highly produced they're done by investigative journalists yeah. who aren't don't have a profession of faith yeah but they're really good at their job and they mm -hmm. do a really compelling they do compelling work and it's really interesting and entertaining and you know some and you of, can be discerning based off of some of their like sometimes i really like the investigative stuff too yeah but sometimes the conclusion that they come to like their opinion on the conclusion. Yeah. You can say like, oh, I don't agree I don't with that. I really agree with that. Sure. But all the investigation that was done is was still really real, interesting. And they still told you a thing that really happened. Right. Their take on it may not be the same as right. what your take on it is. Right. But you can still. Yeah. 
So just so find something you like. Find some, I mean, literally put any topic, any your hobby, yeah. your interests. There's probably a podcast about yeah. it. And the top, the top podcasts are, they're a good, like you said, there's some bad ones, but I've listened, I've found some interesting stuff. And then the cool thing is when you find a podcast that you like, they will, they're most likely if they're heavily produced or make a lot of money and have a lot of listeners, they will be on a network with right. other podcasts, which right. they will recommend to you. Right. Um, some of the, the best recommendations I've gotten have been within podcast podcast right so you know that's it so and then okay before we end stick around for this convo okay we've had a lot of questions since the episode that we did on food with doug wilson and so we felt that some of these questions and concerns are really worth addressing um because they have been shared with us so intensely (laughs) um so i guess what happened, which I think just surprised both of us, and that's not a knock on any of you, was some people felt that what we were advocating for was eating whatever trash you want. And if you have allergies, you should just eat that food anyway. And we don't care about food sensitivities or anyone being particular with their food. And before we talk about that, I would like to preface this by telling you that Joy is a vegetarian and that... And I have food allergies. Who has food allergies. And I am sitting next to a bag of celery sticks and almond butter, not because I find them to be delicious, but because I'm particular. I'm being particular they about what I'm eating. Though. They're not. It's really gross. <laughs> it's so good. It's all yours. Um <laughs> I'm just going to be hungry because ew. Um, and so um, I, I guess when we talked in the podcast, we did, I think Doug prefaced it by saying that um, God doesn't care what you eat. He cares how you eat. Right. That doesn't mean that you can be a glutton. <laughs> he, Douglas Wilson does not advocate eating Twinkies only breakfast every day for the rest of your life. Right. He, he would say, he said, you can eat a Twinkie or eat kale. It's not going to affect your righteousness. You're standing before God. That was the, that was the point. And so we, he used the example of if you have someone coming over and you know, they have a peanut allergy, it would not be Christian charity to fill them, to eat, to let them eat food full of peanuts. Right. Now, that's an extreme example, but it just highlights the point he of... He wasn't only talking about peanut allergies. Right, or something that could make you he sick. He wasn't like gluten, you can <laughs> serve people gluten, just not peanuts. Right. That wasn't what he was saying. No. And so I think it just, when you start talking about allergies and stuff like that, I think a lot of people get really defensive really fast and maybe can't hear the point because this is such a sensitive topic and it can be so consuming. Now, I understand that... Um, I have had a doctor tell me that I have a wheat allergy. I think there's probably a lot to that. I can tell you I don't feel great when I eat wheat, migraines, headaches, sleep problems, this kinds of those kinds of things. Right. Now, me personally, I will choose to eat wheat at times, especially if someone like has brought me a meal and there's wheat in it. Like I'm just going to eat it. 
I'm not saying that's what you have to do. Right. I'm saying that's my personal choice. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's fine. But the point was is that we weren't advocating and Doug definitely did not advocate for you to only eat Twinkies, be a glutton and eat right. foods that make you make you sick. And my concern is that if people heard that, there might be some unnecessary defensiveness there when there shouldn't be. Right. Um, because the caveat of the whole conversation was, if you're not guilty of food idolatry, then this book just isn't for you. This conversation right. isn't for you. Um, another concern that was brought up was like, well, it doesn't seem like he's really concerned about what you put in your body. Now, again, the thrust of the book wasn't here's how you how you can eat to be healthy. Right. That was not the point of the book. It is right. not a health book. It is not about what you should eat for your particular body type or your right. diet. All, like I said, I'm sitting next to a bag of celery. I hate celery. I'm choosing to eat these foods not out of like an idolatry, but because I believe this is the way I need to eat right now at this point in my life. And I'm not going to let it get in the way of communion or community with my family. Right. I'm going to go over to my parents' house tonight. They're probably not going to have the food that I'm looking for, right. but I'm not going to not go. That's the point. Right. The point would be if I said, I'm eating this way right now, so I can't be around you guys. That would be idolatry. Right. It's fine if you have to figure out other ways to stay in communion when there's food around. That's that's fine. Yeah. That's not. That's not what the that wasn't the suggestion. No, that wasn't the suggestion of the book. Now, Doug mentioned Twinkies, and like I said, that seemed to be very upsetting to some people. Right. Um. No, Doug was not advocating that you only eat Twinkies. The rest of that sentence he was, was that, you can eat Twinkies. Right. Or you can eat kale. Both are lawful, but it's not a recommendation that you live on either alone. Because if you live on Twinkies alone, you're going to get sick. And guess what? If right. you live on kale alone, you're also going to get sick. Right. Um, you do need to take care of your body, but not as something that you're trying to make live forever, but something that can glorify God. Right. And so for some people, that is going to mean that you change your diet right. so that you can lose weight, so that you can be more effective in the kingdom. Right. If you're bogged down and you can only live on the couch, maybe it's time to assess some of those things. How can right. you use your diet to glorify God? There might be times when you diet to glorify God. That's fine. Right. That's not who the book was for. There are also times when you diet to glorify self. Exactly. Yep. The point is doesn't care what you eat he cares how you eat right that that's that is the point if it you're was, eating to glorify yourself right sin if right. you're eating to satisfy lusts if you're eating um to satisfy yourself and you're the you're being a glutton right. that is also wrong both not eating is also wrong right both like, sides of the ditch are wrong that's the point right. so i think a lot in our because we're so food obsessed and we're so health obsessed right we can't even see the ditch on the other side of being so fearful of the occasional twinkie right that we see that we've marked that as sin bad wrong you're right. sinning the point is is food is not inherently righteous or sinful right it's what, it's what you, you do, do with it. it right so kale can be sinful yes and twinkies can be sinful correct or you can eat them to the glory of god it right. all depends on how right. you're eating them right a twinkie so, a day not going to be right. recommended so what again let's just touch back on this whole critical thinking thing right stop for a moment right did someone really say that thing 
that you're just thinking? Right. Like, did somebody really say that? Right. Did Douglas Wilson say, eat Twinkies every day for the rest of your life? <laughs> Twinkies are a health food. Right. No. No. And was that, to, if you want to stretch it further, was that what the book is about? No. Is the book a health book? No. No. So, I understand. And I knew that this issue would be a touchy issue. I'm not saying that if you feel defensive that you are guilty of food idolatry. Right. Because I, and, and to assume, first of all, okay, again, critical thinking lapse. Um, if, to just assume that neither of us have food issues <laughs> or food allergies or food preferences. Right. Yeah. No, that's We're human. wrong. I think all humans have food preferences minimally. Right. And uh, most of us have food that doesn't settle well with us right. minimally, yeah. like on a minimal, minimal side of things. Yep. That would be crazy to assume that right. that's never happened to us. And what what's happening in that moment is that we are falling into this sort of weird keyboard warrior discernment thing that you read something on the internet and it makes you feel a certain way and you react from that emotion. Right. So... Uh, I, I get, I get feeling defensive over your food allergies and preferences mm-hmm. because uh, Summer and I, you were, t- you were talking about this earlier. Yeah. You feel the need to be defensive when you have legitimate allergies because the person who doesn't have allergies is going to be just as defensive. <laughs> right. So you feel like you have to do something to say like, Hey, no, I'm not one of those people that's just health obsessed. I actually have a thing. Yeah. But we're this, this podcast is not for you. Right. It wasn't aimed at you. It Mm -mm. wasn't, if you have an allergy, like I said, I've already said, I have multiple allergies. I totally, we totally understand. They give me horrible migraines though. Yeah. We totally understand that there's this culture around food right now that makes it difficult for people with legitimate problems and issues and sensitivities because it's like, it's almost like the popular thing to do. And so then when you you can almost feel like a fake when you tell someone right. you feel you can feel I understand feeling like a fraud when you tell right. someone, no, I have a sensitivity because it's right. like, well, who doesn't anymore? Right. You know, you have that feeling of it's such a automatic sad. defensiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally underst- like I yeah. get I totally get like, that. I'm not doing this as a part of a gluten free fad. Like I legitimately feel better when I don't eat gluten or right. I legitimately don't have to go to the hospital when I don't eat dairy. Right. Like, <laughs> wh- whatever the case may be. Right. This is not. It, th- this book was not written to out your fake allergies. No, not at all. That's not the point. No, you're and and I would I would venture to say that if you are truly truly concerned and not just reacting out of emotion, that you should read the book. Yeah, absolutely. Because It'll clear that up. For yeah, you. everything that he I felt like he was very clear in our interview. Um, A lot of people did not. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. But I agree. It was. Cl- I think it I was think clear. I think it was very clear. And the book is even more right. clear. So if you really think, if you really just can't get over it after we've addressed these concerns. Yeah. Um, and maybe get over it sounds harsh. But if you really can't let it go. Right. Read the book. Yeah. Because he's incredibly, incredibly clear. Yeah. About what he means and what he doesn't mean. Yeah. So. And very charitable. I thought he was so charitable and kind. See, I feel like please don't miss yeah. the really, really great sweet moments that happened in that interview just because you feel like someone is attacking your food. Right. Don't let the Twinkie don't. eclipse the greatness right. here. <laughs> um, he had a truly like 
in that that interview contained like one of my most favorite moments that has happened on Sheologians. Right. And nobody can even hear it because you hear the word Twinkie and it sends you over the edge, man. Yeah. There's all this emotional reaction (laughs) and, and the accusation that this book is about things that it's not about. Right. And so I, I am going to any, any topic that makes you just blindly react out of emotion Maybe consider that. Maybe there's right. maybe there's something to, there to think about. And I don't right. want. I also don't. I want to make sure you guys don't think we're saying that every person who had a question right. was asking no, no, it no. out of blind emotion. No. Like that's not what either of us are saying. Right. Um, there were some very sharp responses, oh, yes. but there were some very yeah. clear charitable oh, questions. Yeah. Yeah. Questions for clarification and concern that we totally just thank you guys for that and giving us the opportunity to answer them. Um, we love that. We love when you guys have conversations around this stuff. So that's not a problem for right. us at all. Yeah. But we don't, we don't mind. We don't mind people reacting to our stuff. Yeah. But if please do react, if you say, <laughs> yeah, if you say that, if you say that someone said something that they just didn't say, yeah, we want to correct that yeah. and kind of address that concern. And so because this one was brought up enough, yeah. um, we just yes. wanted to address it and make sure you guys don't think that um, if you're uh, if you're allergic to gluten and you come over, I'm going to offer you crackers because I'm just not. Right. <laughs> I'm just not. Right. Because um, I love you too much for that. And someone someone did say that um, as a like as a part of fellowship, they didn't they didn't personally require anyone in the church to accommodate their dietary needs they would eat before they would eat after right um and so that's the thing like it's not it's not that you're you're not being uncharitable if you don't Mm -hmm. if you if you you choose not to partake right but you're you're not breaking communion then you know okay great yeah wonderful yeah it's really there's really only one thing that this book is about Mm -hmm. and it's just how you eat yep that's it. I think. We, yeah. I think we. Yeah. We're good. We're good. That makes sense. Okay. Well, guys, um, don't forget if you're on Patreon to check out what we've got going on over there. If you're not on Patreon yet, hit us up at patreon.com slash sheologians. Ask us questions. Leave us voicemails. This was our very first sheologians voicemail hour. You can be a part of it, too, if you call 470-465-0475. And if you're really cute, then we'll answer your question. <laughs> and if you giggle a lot, then <laughs> we'll just really be fans of what you have to say, apparently. <laughs> anyway, um, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye.